0: Hello listeners and welcome to the Montel Weekly Podcast, bringing energy matters in an informal setting. In light of this week's crisis in the Ukraine, this is a special podcast on the events in Moscow and Kiev and the wider implications for European energy markets. What is Russia's game plan in Ukraine? What will it mean for gas flows in the short term and for EU dependence on Russian gas in the medium to long term? What are the alternatives? Can LNG bridge the gap? Will Germany potentially look at reopening some of its nuclear facilities? Can Europe accelerate its green transition? And will that keep the lights on? Helping me, Richard Sverson, to discuss the key issues is Georg Zachmann of Brussels-based think tank Bruegel. What will the current shocking invasion of Ukraine mean for Germany's relationship with, with Russia? Um,
1: I think it's, I mean, it's still early days. Uh, um, people were... Um... I presume hoping till the very last moment that what happened uh, this morning would uh, would not happen. and we are very likely in a in a completely different geopolitical situation than we were a week ago. And I think there are things back on the table uh, that that haven't been on the table for for many years. So we will uh, discuss about complete stop of uh, of Russian energy supplies. I think that will be part of the conversation. Uh, on the on the energy side, we will have to discuss on how we can support Ukraine in, in, in energy terms. Um, I mean, there's a question about uh, integrating Ukrainian electricity system in the European grid. And obviously, it all will depend on on how this uh, situation that this morning has started to unfold will play out. So uh, where will uh, Russian troops stop? And will it be a fully-fledged occupation of, of Ukraine or which parts of it? Um, so I think we we will have to wait a few more days to uh, to understand uh, better where we are where we are standing here. Mm. But what one can already say is that uh, that the that the plans we have made on energy transition in Germany relying on on Russian gas, I mean they are not not relevant anymore. Mm. We we need to we need to think about different plans.
0: That was going to be my next question, actually, Georg. So. What does it mean then for German energy imports from Russia? Will they come to a full stop or, you know, maybe not overnight, but certainly uh, in the coming months or, or years? What, what's your view here? The
1: events will unfold potentially quite quickly. I mean, we are going to have these uh, sanction debates. And I mean, what we all hear from the news is that SWIFT is on the table as, as one means of sanctioning and uh, it's relatively um, easy to imagine that, uh, that counter sanctions from Russia and be them in the form of saying, okay, if you don't pay us, uh, anymore, because Swift is not working, we're not sending you gas anymore can very quickly happen. So that I would not exclude that, uh, that gas flows to, uh, to Europe from Russia would, uh, essentially stop in the next couple of hours Mm -hmm. that could happen, but it also could not happen. So we, uh, we are very, uh, in a very volatile situation here, and what this would imply for European gas demand-supply balances in the short term, I think we are fine. Uh, storages are some thirty uh, percent full, and the winter is uh, is ending soon. So for this heating period, we should be through. Um, there's a few challenges with getting gas to uh, to a bit of the um, eastern, more eastern places of the European Union, but that should be manageable if we pull together and if solidarity is exercised. The big challenge in such a scenario without ration gas is it is unpredictable how long it will last, and we will need refill storages ahead of the next winter. And the combination of the two, this uncertainty... That is very hard for commercial buyers of gas to, to kind of get a get a feeling for. And this massive amount of gas that we need to put in storage ahead of the next winter is an is a very unfortunate combination. I mean, just kind of back of the envelope uh, uh European gas storages are something like a thousand terawatt hours, if I understand correctly. Filling them at current prices will cost about eighty billion euros. That has never cost as much before and now uh, which commercial company is going to, uh, uh, to to put these corresponding sums on the table to buy gas and, and be potentially exposed to gas prices dropping in summer.
0: And what about Nord Stream 2, Georg? I mean, is that now dead in the water? We've had some noises this week uh, already putting it on hold and some talk of cancellation. Do you think it's now uh, finished?
1: I mean, it was all, always the bargaining chip against any invasion. Now the invasion happened, so uh, I, I don't see uh, the uh, the events that would revitalize Nord Stream two. Uh, I, I cannot imagine them. I'd never say no. I mean, I mean the pipeline is there; it, uh, it's seemingly filled with gas. The infrastructure is in place, and the political events are extremely chaotic and volatile, and we are on completely uncharted territory. So uh, I don't know. <laughs> For, for sure, so not, don't come back to me in two years and tell me, well, he said uh, not Stream 2 was, was that. But everything that we can see today points to uh, that there is no way that it's going online.
0: Hmm. Would you agree that we were saved by LNG imports and mild weather? And how bad could things have got if we hadn't struck luck with, with in terms of the weather and the LNG imports?
1: I mean, we, we did some some analysis in December last year in terms of whether we would be able to survive a full-scale disruption of gas supplies already then, and our analysis was that this would be extremely tight and depending on weather. And so weather was good, so that saved us essentially through the through the winter. And I think one can say chapeau to all those countries that uh, that built LNG terminals. They have been not very very much utilized in many of the past years, but now they they provide really the the vital insurance for the European um, gas
0: market. A mild winter in Asia meant that LNG, in a sense, had to go to Europe. So we were lucky there, given La Nina had sort of forecasters anticipating a cold winter. Now can we really expect LNG to replace future Russian gas supplies, given the events on Thursday morning? and gas becomes more of a weapon isn't that like hoping winters always stay mild maybe
1: the lng import capability of europe faces a couple of of bottlenecks of course so i mean you we have the uh, uh, we have the existing uh, terminal capacity um, which we would estimate at something like 1900 terawatt hours and uh, that would not be uh, sufficient to to fully replace russian uh, russian gas imports because we already use half of this capacity um, in normal times so here we have one bottleneck. The second bottleneck is potentially how many ships would be available to, to bring all this gas 24-7 to the uh, to the European Union. And the third bottleneck is uh, how many gas can can essentially be, be mobilized to be, uh, to be put on those ships and uh, what is the liquefaction capacity. So along the entire LNG chain, there's uh, potential bottlenecks. And on top of that, uh, a lot of the LNG that could be on the market, and my understanding is that the market is something like 5000 terawatt hours globally, that a lot of this uh, LNG is tied in long term contracts to some buyers and kind of taking this gas away from them will cost a lot of money uh, or be, uh, be impossible because those buyers also need, uh, need this gas. And for sellers, it's not easy because, I mean, they can make a lot of money now on the uh, potentially on the European market for, uh, for a few months or maybe years. But in the medium term, uh, Europe plans to wean itself off gas, which would mean that uh, Europe is not like a, like a market in which you can really invest. You kind of go there to earn some money quickly, but uh, you're not going to invest on the prospect of selling LNG to Europe in 15 years. Because if you if you follow the projections of the European Commission on, on EU gas demand, they are pointing downward relatively quickly.
0: All this points to a very precarious coming winter, then, in a way, Georg. I mean. Uh... You're saying, you know, Europe is 40% of Europe's gas comes from Russia, 55 of Germany's comes from Russia. So, and then if you're saying it's very difficult for LNG to fill that gap, what are the alternatives here? You you know, it seems to be either prices skyrocket, which they probably will, or if the situation continues as you've illustrated here, what, what are the alternatives or what's the possible winter scenario here, Gil? If-
1: Russia would stop almost immediately to uh, to send gas. And I mean, currently they are sending us uh, some bit more than two, 2 billion cubic meters per week. If they stop, then getting through the next winter uh, solely based on LNG um, will be um, difficult in the sense that we would not be able to meet the uh, the current demand levels with, uh, with these volumes. So uh, there there will be a shortfall in the, in the volumes of gas, I presume. I would kind of back off the envelope say that Significantly more than half of the Russian gas can be replaced with LNG and and some other uh, import options and maybe a bit higher domestic gas production. But not not all of it. So there would be a gap. And this gap would have to be filled on the demand side. And now on the demand side, there is some flexibility for gas. Uh, high prices will uh, yeah, force off demand. On the industrial side, we already see that. And the question is a bit how much uh, how much more can be expected there and how much more do we tolerate? Because we already see that some governments want to, uh, to subsidize uh, industrial energy demand which is problematic in my view, but uh, uh, understandably politically. Then we have the power sector. I mean, in the power sector, you have a lot of flexibility because you can produce electricity with different things than natural gas. But all of the alternatives are not – I mean, there are some reasons why we wanted to use gas here and uh, did not want to use uh, more nuclear, and discussion will happen in Germany on, uh, on that. The question on whether we we burn more coal? Yes, we will burn more coal. But here, what happens with the emission trading system? But also, does Germany bring back its grid reserve into play and and use those uh, those old lignite-fired power plants now to to really produce? Uh, at 8,000 full full load hours electricity and how quickly can massive kind of speeding up of the renewables make a dent in the residual electricity demand. So we will have to see how that plays out and down on the household level. The challenges that there is, I mean, market-based solutions are very difficult here. Uh, I presume that we, uh, some communication exercise and and, and making clear to households that this winter is, uh, is in going to be an exceptional, exceptional situation, and maybe next winter as well, until we have enough heat pumps and, uh, and wind power plants installed. So, if we can make households help us uh, over, this, uh, over this crisis, then in the end, demand and supply will—I mean—they they always must balance, and they will balance, and uh, we will be able to, uh, to, to meet most of the uh, most of the energy needs. On the electricity i think we, we, we can talk a bit deeper about that
0: you mentioned nuclear power in germany now germany has idled it has closed several both uh, lignite fired coal hard coal fired plants as well as nuclear do you think discussions will emerge in germany about reopening these nuclear plants
1: the discussions will i mean people will bring it into play like like i now discuss about that and uh, the. Um, Uh, I think the challenge is a bit, we have a lot of options. I mean, in the end, we are talking about terawatt hours uh, from from very different uh, sources. So do we accept more seismic activity in the Netherlands by producing more terawatt hours of gas in Groningen? uh, Or do we rather want uh, to reduce industrial production in France? Or do we ask uh, Bulgarian households to turn down their thermostats? Or do we want to reopen nuclear power plants in Germany? And if you put all the options together, you—I mean—you you can entirely replace Russian gas with that, I presume. But it is—it is a horrible list of things that would come together here, and there needs to be some sort of agreement. What are what is essentially the the merit order of torture here that you uh, <laughs> that you that you want to look into? And I think this is often more political than than economic and. I mean, some of those decisions are also about long-term commitments. And I think the German nuclear phase out, of course, economically, uh, keeping these nuclear plants running a bit longer uh, seems, seems a no-brainer. But uh, as, a, as a commitment device that Germany really wants to conduct its energy transition and does not want to reopen this debate and wants to have massive investment in, uh, in, uh, in renewables quickly, then, kind of using this uh, this draw uh, that nuclear provides might be uh, exactly the wrong choice. So these discussions are only about to, to start, and yeah, let's see where they will lead.
0: Certainly, some some very hard choices ahead, um, politically as well as economic. But Georg, if we return to the gas market now, and we, there's been a lot of talk about you know both a you know European as well as a, a German sort of reserve put in place. I mean, what, what's your what's your view here? Do you think there will be, you know, there will be obligations on gas supplies and firms to to create that kind of reserve ahead of ahead of next winter?
1: No, I think this this discussion is, is quite mature. We are also going to have an uh, have an event at the at the beginning of March with uh, with Turmes that is one of the proponent of those gas reserves. My feeling is that something will come, and I am extremely concerned about national solutions. My feeling is that uh, national solutions might lead to an overbidding competition between different countries for uh, where the gas is going to be stored. And that's only to the benefit of the uh, of the external suppliers. Because if we now start to uh, to, to bid out each other for, for who gets the gas in his storage, then in the end, we are handing out uh, big checks to um, yeah, maybe even to the Russians and to other LNG suppliers and that could not be in our interest so we should now coordinate if we uh, i mean if demand and supply curve don't match anymore we are not in a, in a in a pure market situation anymore and we need to to find ways to to coordinate here
0: germany for example if we go to lng you know germany is well connected with the dutch and belgian import facilities and europe's utilization rates are averaged only 38% last year so you can have all the terminals in the world it doesn't make a difference if, if, if the boats go elsewhere or prices are higher in another market. So, does a German LNG facility make sense in light of those utilization rates?
1: Yeah, I, I would think a, a German allergy facility would make sense. I mean, we have seen that in the, in the end of last year when, uh, when the utilization rates of the, of the terminals in also in, in St. And, uh, and elsewhere went up quite, uh, quite substantially and bringing more gas exactly to that region is what we need. I, I mean, we don't need more gas in, uh, in the Iberian Peninsula right now uh, because we're not able to bring it over the Pyrenees in that sense having this uh, this infrastructure which, w- which would be more like an insurance infrastructure uh, uh, normally than one that is built for for being fully utilized for for 15 years i mean we are not in a situation where we are discussing long term transition plans we are one about uh, discussing about the the next winters and about insurance we probably recall this Lithuanian lng terminal that uh, yeah, as soon as uh, as they were there and were available, uh, Gazprom offered a significant discount on its gas price. So, uh, creating the uh, the strategic alternatives uh, might essentially help you to uh, uh, to to get access to 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 the gas even from the incumbent supplier at uh, a significantly lower cost.
0: You mentioned Bulgarians turning down their thermostats potentially, but in Germany, you know, we've seen that the uptake rates of heat pumps and insulation. They're not really the same kind of, don't generate the same kind of headlines as, you know, weapons shipments to Ukraine, etc. Now, but ultimately, they do more for European security and independence than some secondhand sort of weaponry, you know. So I think, do you see any movement here? I mean, in Germany, you've seen governments talking about this for decades, but gas consumption in in the country is still around where it was in the 1990s. So what's holding uh, Germany back in terms of reducing household gas consumption?
1: The new government, with its uh, opening balance of the energy uh, ministry, quite clearly pointed out very ambitious plans on both renewables, so 80% in the, in the power mix by, by 2030, and on uh, heat pumps. I think they said something like 6 million heat pumps by 2030. Um, so that, that would already be a significant dent in, uh, in, in gas consumption. And I mean, in this situation right now, if, if you want to see it as an opportunity, of course, I mean, I like your comparison of saying, OK, um, maybe um, wind turbines and heat pumps are uh, a good alternative to tanks. So maybe going strong on, uh, on that front will help this, this long-proclaimed energy sovereignty uh, quite a bit.
0: Georg, Zachman, thank you very much for, for joining the Montel Weekly podcast this week. We'll keep a, a very close eye on, on the events as they unfold in, in the Ukraine. Once again, thank you. Thanks a lot, Richard. So listeners, you can now follow the podcast on our own Twitter account, aptly named the Montel Weekly Podcast. Please direct message any suggestions, questions, or you know, let us know if you, if you think you have a good idea for a guest on the show. You can also send us an email to podcast at montelnews.com. Lastly, remember to keep up to date with all that's happening in energy markets on Montel News. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. Thank you and goodbye.